You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes. And even real-life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo-woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream Cause I'm working too hard And I want to feel so alive I jump out of bed because I love my life Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive Being myself, clarity will arrive So I'll stand out and be J-U-I-C-Y Hello, hello. Welcome to the Get Fucking Real podcast, where we focus on confessions and straight talk from successful soulful entrepreneurs. And today's episode is going to deliver on that, as do all our others. My question for you today is, what is your kryptonite? And of course, for those of you that don't know, kryptonite is what Zaps, Superman, and Supergirl's powers. <laughs> and uh, my husband and I love the show Supergirl. We're happy we have fun watching that. So what is your kryptonite? What is the thing that zaps your powers? Today's guest, Duff Gardner, talks about his kryptonite being when he feels dismissed. And so his rainbow dismissal, and he'll talk about what that means exactly, is the thing that zapped his powers. But of course, because all struggle has a purpose here in GFR world, that brought him to really creating a business around his startup thinking and his experience in startups in Silicon Valley. And he also draws strength from his modern family, as he calls it. And he is super dedicated to his kids. He says that he is a passionate advocate for them. He also rescues pit bulls and he is an advocate for LGBTQ rights. And he has a podcast called Off My Duff. I just love the name of that. And that's focused on entrepreneurs. He's a super neat guy. He's really candid about his, his journey as a game, openly gay man in the environments that he was in Silicon Valley, in the corporate world, and now, of course, as an entrepreneur. And he talks about what makes him unique. And he even challenges himself on how am I going to be more myself going forward? So he has a couple cool ahas even on the show, which I just love when our guests have ahas in real time. And I can't wait for you to meet him. So without further ado, Duff Gardner. Hello, everybody. I'm so excited to be here with Duff Gardner. Hi, Duff. Lisa, how you doing? I'm really happy I, to be here. <laughs> I am doing great. And those of you that get to see him on video, he has beautiful artwork behind him. Are you the artist? I didn't ask you that in our pre-conversation. I'm more of a cartoonist. That's my daughter. Oh so my god. She gosh. is the artist in the family. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful stuff. Beautiful yes. stuff. <laughs> I can see your creativity as runs the gamut from uh, your marketing expert startup and marketing expertise. Yeah, all the way to visual arts. <laughs> Thank you. I like to think of it. I, I, I like to think of it. it's more my mom's side of the family. My mom's an artist as well. So I think that's where she got it. 
I love it. You know, when different things show up in our kids and my husband, and I will joke like, Oh, she got that from me. Or I, Oh, if it's a bad thing, she got that from you, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, both my kids are, I don't have any of my sons here, but he's more of like a, a charcoal artist and he's very particular and meticulous where she's more free strokes. Yeah. So maybe I'm somewhere in the middle. Yes. Well, usually we are, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we talk about GFR wormholes here on the show. You know, we really acknowledge that struggle has a purpose. And, you know, so we met recently at a conference and mm -hmm. I'd heard a, like a snippet of your story and I was like, okay, I need to have him on my show. And uh, okay. we realized we had all these you know, these friends in common, these colleagues in common. And then when I, you know, then I became more aware of you. It's kind of like you get a red car and all of a sudden all you see is red cars, you know? So now <laughs> Jeff was on my radar and I realized, you know, we had all these friends in common and that you had, you know, amazing expertise, you know, in the startup world and marketing world. And, and I knew that your story, you know, I knew this awesome story that I wanted to share. So just like with many of our stories, there's this contrast, like this is where they are now. And it, what didn't always look that way. And there was a journey and, right. and with the mission driven entrepreneur, that journey often gets messy and helps birth like the person that we need to be right to, to hold space for that next, that next thing. So would you, would you agree that that's been your. Absolutely. Yeah. And we were talking offline. I, I think that uh, as I grow, and I, I'm 54 now, and I, I, I keep getting more and more dialed into that story. And I think that's really important, you know, because if we're in the game of helping other people, that's part of the deal, you know, just understanding where you've come from. Yes, And for relating sure. to people in that way. So, yeah. 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 So your, the title of this episode has the phrase rainbow dismissal in it. And yeah. I actually... I didn't know that there was actually a legal term called constructive dismissal. So I for sure want to illuminate that for our listeners. How much do you want to back up from like that part of your story? You've got to give us your background and let us know where you come from. Oh, sure. Well, I, I would say, I guess the quick and dirty in that is I'm naturally a very shy person. And so by the time I was in my early 30s, I'd hit a stage where um, you know, I was really proud of myself. I'd kind of pushed through that. I was doing three things. I was taking a grad degree in the Silicon Valley and master's of science in learning sciences and information technology. So kind of a big deal for me. And then, but I also had a job in Vancouver as a vice president of a very large organization running big multi-million dollar projects. And I also was raising my family in Victoria. And those were all in three different cities. Wow. So I hit this point where I was doing this triangle with my career and in my workplace, I would say that there was a subtle vibe of digs about gay people. I wasn't out like in my, in my job. So constructive dismissal is when your responsibilities just kind of subtly get taken away over time to, to the point where you just want to leave. It's, it's different than being dismissed or fired or, you know, something like that. And, uh, so I had that experience at the height of that. And also, in, in, in fact, during that time, I ended up with three panic attacks, which I'd never had before, and I'd never had since. And it's kind of like a heart attack. Your, your heart wants to beat out of your chest. What had happened was my CEO, I, she had asked me if, if I was gay, and I'd said yes, uh, but I hadn't been out at that point. And, and so that was that, just out of the blue. She just like came it was up out of, to you. It was out of the blue. And it sort of, it was the first step in what felt like to me whether it was or not is kind of immaterial, but the environment I was in 
was not inclusive in the sense that there were people who were very successful who happened to be gay that we were working with that were being made fun of. And then my CEO comes up to me and says this. And so that precipitated this three month period where I had panic attacks and eventually had to leave. And so, like I said to you offline, you know, we all have these experiences in life. I was pretty successful. So I just kind of moved on and went on to the next thing. Didn't think too much about it. But the funny thing is, if I reflect back in time, there's a decade and the decade after that, where my career was very different. Like it was very roller coastery, very behind the scenes, whereas I was very much used to being front of front and center. And so it's more recently that I discovered really the idea of diversity and inclusion and how not having an inclusive workplace, not having a, a workplace where diversity is supported can have kind of a very a negative impact on people who work there. And so it's been very reflective and interesting for me to go back in that moment. And so like my kryptonite is this idea of being dismissed. Mm. And so if I think about it that way, that experience for me was like super kryptonite. And so it took many years for me to kind of get my mojo back, um, but I did. And, and so I'm here today, you know, and I think my, you haven't asked me the question, but I'll just answer my own question. Sure. I think that's part of what I do, but <laughs> it's just like, ans- ask a question of myself and then answer it myself. <laughs> it's but, a very handy skill. That's I know, right? Number five is make who, yourself your most important client. So, who you know. <laughs> yeah, who doesn't like that? What would you but, say to you if you were your own client? That's what you're doing. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I, but I think like, it's really important for us in the transformation and coaching world to stand in our value. And that's actually my statement that I go around talking to people about. And I think when I realized that, you know, like I was pretty darn good at what I did and just learned to reflect back, kind of almost like go back in time, bring that person into the future, things started really changing for me again. And so that's a big part of what I teach people uh, today. So where do you think that kryptonite was birthed about being dismissed? Yeah, it's a good question. I, like, I think it's one of those things, I can't point to like a specific thing. I think like a lot of us, our relationship to our family, our parents, um, teachers, coaches, uh, anyone like that can create that kind of a story that or kind of like a dragon that we're always trying to slay. And uh, so for me, it was probably a combination of those things. And I think the thing that's important about that idea of dismissal is that it's very, I think, in the world that we live in, there's a statistic that I talk about in my community where over half of us in the next 10 years will be in some form of self-employment. And it's a, it's a new normal that we really didn't grow up learning about, learning how to thrive in. And so it's very easy for some of us when we're really living outside of a comfort zone, whether we've been fired or we've decided to do a side hustle or we're deciding to do some uh, you know, work on our own to have a tough time with these kind of dragons that live within us and mine just happened to be dismissal. So yeah, I think it's really important to get in touch with your inner dragons, I call them, and, and learn how to not really just to slay them, but also to live with them and to learn from them. I agree. I think that our mission-based business is a spiritual boot camp. And I became aware of that 20 years ago when I left corporate after being laid off three times in two years and I right. started conscious marketing. Right. And I knew that it was breaking up all my shit. And like, it's so funny to look back on that now because like, you know, that was just first the first layer 
of shit, right. you know, that, that I, you know, when I was, how old was I? 28 when I first left corporate, you know, and I'm 47 right. now. So, uh, or 48, I, I never know how old I am. It's convenient. So I think that I, that was like the first layer then when I was uh, just, you know, realizing like, oh my God, this is bringing up all my fears about sales and this is bringing up my insecurities. And then I would work with clients on their marketing message and I would realize like, oh my gosh, like I, they're not seeing themselves the way that I see them. And Right. You know, I'm trying to give them their messaging, but they're not going to own it. And so that's when the conscious marketing workshops were born. It was this, you know, process of getting people to get clear from the inside out, you know, who, who their ideal client was and what I would call claim their, you know, authentic marketing voice. Right. And so I was really seeped in it then, but, you know, gosh, I had no idea <laughs> that it was just going to be a continue continuation of whatever metaphor you want to use the onion or right. the upward spiral whichever one you know resonates with you but right. um, so I, I wholeheartedly agree um, with you for sure yeah yeah it's just um, you know we all have these dragons within and we got to figure out a way to turn them into our superpower and I guess that's what my journey has been did you know you had this kryptonite with being dismissed before the rainbow dismissal incident at your job? I had a subtle idea, but I, but I didn't know it would impact me so deeply. Yeah. So, so just to explore the story a little bit, cause it's so sure such a profound thing. And I think, you know, we had um, another one of our, podcast guest J.R. Burgess and his episode is called From Wayward Teen to Medical Visionary. Okay. And he, you know, talked about, you know, when he was in elementary school, how a teacher made fun of his ears. And okay. it's just completely like what it was like the epicenter of like his, you know, journey as a teen and his struggle with addiction and you know, dangerous behaviors, his parents, his family uh, built water towers. Uh, that was oh. their family business and he would jump off of them, okay. you know, stuff like that. And, you know, he's an amazing man, father of four now, like, and what he's created is, is unbelievable. And, you know, it, it just really shows though, how one, you know, incident that we digest a certain way and create meaning around can completely you know, shape us. And so whatever that was in your childhood, but then to just have it be so vivid, you know, in the height of your career. And when you're trying to juggle, you know, right. a, you know, the next level of your education and then your family and, and, you know, things like panic attacks are so illuminating, you know, yeah. To, yeah. to show us that how much stress we're under. You know, I think that like, if I go way back, probably there was something probably with, uh, my father, when I was quite young, I, I mean, I remember this one thing where, uh, like, we had made a bet, I thought, and I just said, hey, I won the bet, and he just dismissed it and said, no, he did there was no bet, which, you know, like, these little things happen when you're But he didn't like losing the bet, so he pretended that there was no bet. <laughs> or something, maybe, I don't know, but, you know, as I grew older, like, when I was in my teens, I suddenly became really good at sports. Uh, I was, like, a high-performance athlete, both in soccer and in hockey. I was really, really good. When I was in my 20s, like initially, I was very shy at my career, but then I hit a point, I hit my stride and I became a seven-figure marketer. In my 30s, same thing. I was super shy. My marriage had just ended. My life had kind of crumbled around me. And then I became an award-winning startup founder. And so it was after that, you know, and that the, the impact was felt in my 40s. And so now I'm in my 50s and 
I've learned how to sort of, again, like not necessarily slay that dragon, but sort of know how to work with it and to use it as fuel forward. Beautiful. How did your, you know, you talk about, you know, standing in our value and that's what you teach your clients. And how did your coming out journey impact you really owning your value and all those different places that you shared, like, you know, be in athletics and in startups and, you know, in your latest entrepreneur ventures? Right. Well, you know, today the world is a very different place than it was in 21 years ago. You know, I grew up in Alberta, which is like Texas mixed with Colorado in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) And to be honest, like, there was two things that happened. One was that I had no awareness of what it was to be a gay person. And when I did become aware, it it was the early 80s, and it it was not a great time. It was dangerous. There was death. There was disease. It was unaccepted. People were being arrested, ridiculed very publicly. So it was a very weird time as a late teen, early 20s to sort of be coming to terms with this. I had some experiences, you know, like I, I kind of think of myself as a little bit country and a little bit rock and roll, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So um, that sounds kind of silly, but at that time, I, I, I just sort of said, well, it's not a big deal. Just carry on and move on. You know, like just, just move on. It's not a big deal. Just live your life. And, and I did, and, you know, had a 15 year relationship. We have two wonderful kids and she's my sister now, and we have a great relationship, but you know, you blow up your life and that's a hard thing to go through. And so I think that, um, there's not, uh, there's not a more difficult thing that you can go through than that. So anything else compares, uh, I think from then forward to now and, and beyond, I, I just think whatever I learned in that moment, uh, will hold me in good stead, you know, for the future. And uh, I think that's true for both of us. Uh, the kid's mother, Maureen, she's doing fantastic now in her life. And she's got a second group of kids and they stole my birthday. They were born on my 40th birthday. Oh, so I go and funny. give them a little nugget, a noogie every birthday I have. <laughs> they stole your birthday. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah, but I don't know. Like, I think probably the thing that um, I had to learn and pushing through that whole experience was to just uh, to be strong and and to to learn how to be powerful and it's a tough thing to go through for both of us but yeah I'd say that's probably what it was yeah I mean and I really appreciate what you're saying about the the value of going through that experience and the impact that it had on you going forward and sure you know it's one of those well if I lived through that <laughs> you know I can kind of live through anything type of things you know it just it sounded like it felt it was, you know, a very much of a dismantling of, you know, your, your support system, your identity. Your you identity. Know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But I will say, like, I just came up with something when you said that. Immediately after that, I had probably my, one of my bigger successes in life, you know, um, which is also kind of interesting and maybe instructive. I gave myself, you know, we, we had kind of our gray period of a six months. And I ended up creating my first startup company, which was during, I created it kind of during dot com, but actually I created it more during dot bomb, which goes, <laughs> which wasn't exactly the best idea, but it worked. And so that startup that I created, we were raising money and we were doing things 
as things were coming apart in the marketplace. And so, you know, probably going through that experience just before that really helped me to stay strong and push forward. And just, you know, I, I'm pretty sure it did that because, you know, I went from going through that whole dismantling and identity shift and everything to um, standing in front of 300 venture capitalists at the largest venture capital forum in Toronto and winning the investment pitch and then touring around uh, the world with one of the top tech, tech companies in the world. So um, there has to be something to that, I think. Yeah, I think there is something to that, you know, whether it's just throw yourself in your work, <laughs> you know, kind of thing, um, mm -hmm. you know, to really feeling finally congruent that you Maybe. could really be yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we were talking offline and I, you know, I, I've had a recent experience. So it was about just within the last year. And I said earlier, like I really just, after that experience many years ago, I just carried on. And then, you know, I've, I've been out and for over 20 years now, but I had decided that I would talk about this experience in front of a group, about 200 people live, 200 people online, another few people uh, in the gaps. And um, so I did that within the last year, but it wasn't a fully formed presentation. I only had 90 seconds to make this presentation and I really wanted to talk about it, but I didn't know how to. And I ended up in my estimation, kind of flubbing it, but I got a standing ovation both online and in person. What did and you, it, do you remember what you said or how you put it? It doesn't need to be perfect, but I'm just curious. Well, I did it twice now. And the first time I just kind of was like a very abbreviated version of what we just talked about. 90 seconds doesn't give you a lot of time. So I was kind of trying my best. The second time I wanted to make the point because I had a bit of time to think about it. And I, I believe this actually that, um, you know, there's a lot of the narrative in the gay community, there is a lot of dysfunction. And the reason why is because the subtle message that we're given day in, day out in media, whatever, is that we're somehow broken like we're less than. Yes. And so that can come out with people bullying us or it can be subtle, you know, like somebody wanting to throw a bow around your neck and say, Hey, sister, girlfriend, when that's not you at all. Right. You know, so it can be very subtle or it can be very in your face. And so I believe that people who are in, in the gay spectrum can be the bridge to peace. There's so much polarization in the world today around the feminine and the masculine and we can speak both languages. So that was my second presentation, and I believe that's true. So I just said, you know, imagine if the people in your world who were in the gay community, if you view, viewed them as the bridge, what that would be like. Beautiful. So that was, that was my second presentation, yeah. Yeah, it's the terminology coming out has come up a lot in our GFR squad community. So cool. I think I was telling you that we have this membership community mm -hmm. where people are really embracing this idea of being real and right. that it will actually help them to have more impact in the world with their mission if they can really confront why they're, you know, the different ways that they're getting in their own way. We have these 12 right. GFR commandments and, and each month we do a confession call where we take one of the commandments and we use the confession um, okay. question for that commandment and we have a conversation and some people, you know, use it really to, to speak publicly and, and make some confessions. Some people just are there to witness, which is super valuable. Right. And we've had on more than one occasion, we've had calls where there seems to be this coming out 
sort of thing. You know, now I came out as non-monogamous two years ago publicly. Right. And, and I very much like likened it to, to what, a, you know, a, a gay person might experience. Sure. Um, almost feel like being gay is more acceptable <laughs> um, right. nowadays. Right. And there were people that were talking about it in terms of coming out spiritual, you know, huh. feeling like they hide their spiritual part of themselves or the woo-woo part of themselves. You know, there right. are people talking about coming out that they don't believe in medication, you know, and they're afraid of what the medical industry, like, I think the coming out is inspired by feeling like you're going to be, you're going to be admonished. You're going to be judged. You're going, you know, there, it's, it's an unacceptable or odd, you know, not odd, but, you know, unique thing to say. And so right. they feel like, well, if I say it, you know, so it's a, it's a, you know, and not to diminish, you know, your coming out experience or what that means for, you know, the right. gay community. And it illuminates this, the idea of feeling needing, like we need to hide parts of ourselves, you know? Right. Um, right. And uh, I feel like very much this platform and this show is about telling stories so that people have permission to be themselves. Like, you know, hopefully they hear it all here on the show right. and you know, they, they can, they can come out in whatever way they need to come out. Right. Yeah. No, I, I actually really love it that this is the forum that you're creating because I feel like, you know, my, my, my kids are, I, I'm not sure if they're millennials, I guess they are, they're in their twenties. <laughs> right. So, uh, but I feel like there's this convergence happening in the coaching world where there are people of sort of I'm generation X and, you know, below that generation boomers who are, you know, view the world a certain way. And then the younger folks are in the influencer community. They're much more comfortable putting themselves online, putting it out there. And for us, it's like, we're not used to that really. It's like, we didn't grow up that way, but putting ourselves out there. And I, and I feel like there's convergence happening. So it's really important for people in our generation and young, like you're younger than me, but just, you know, in our forties, fifties to put ourselves out. And it's not, I don't think it's as natural as people who are a bit younger, but it's utterly important to be successful. I have this story. Um, I hadn't really thought about it, but it came up when you were telling me your story, uh, a client who I love, she's like wonderful. I love her, but I think we hadn't had the conversation and you know, one day she just goes to me, yeah, my hairdresser says you're gay because you have a, a picture of your shirt off in Instagram. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, so if I don't have, if I have a picture and be in my bathing suit on Instagram, therefore I am. <laughs> so I didn't really answer her question, but you know, I was thinking about that and what well, she didn't I was, really ask. And so <laughs> no, it was a backhanded way of asking. Yes. But, um, and it was kind of now in retrospect, it was kind of cute because she was just trying to figure it out. But I do admire like now that I'm kind of, one thing I notice about myself is, and, and you and I have some common friends who have uh, a point of view that your, your sexuality is part of you. Like you have to let it flow in order to be, um, to emotionally connect with your clients and other people. And so if, I'm, if I was to say what my transformation going forward might look like, like I think that there's something to that, that I think that my generation, being my generation and being out and being in this community of coaches, there's still that little voice in my head that says, be reasonable, wear a button up shirt, you know, dress appropriately when, you know, like it's just, it's kind of a mask that I don't really need to have on. I love that you asked yourself that question. <laughs> See, I did it again. That was awesome. <laughs> what is the 
transformation going forward. I'm writing that down. That's a good one. <laughs> All right. Let's play with that. Let's just play with it a little. So if like, what would you wear? Like, so you're saying like the, the buttoned up shirt is not really you. Is that that's no. just an example? Yeah. What would you wear? Well, I mean, I'm not saying I would wear a sequins and a boa. Like, I'm not going to go out Elton John on you all of a sudden. Like, not that there's anything wrong not with that, that but that's just that. not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. But, like, I, I think that um, there's a guy that, uh, that I really, that, who, who is openly gay, and he's a, he's a spiritual advisor, and he's a healer. Jerome Braggs, I believe, is his name. And uh, he's just very open about his life. He's very open about his life. Wet and you know whether that includes a shirtless shot or not doesn't really matter. But he's very open about his life and how that can translate into value for his clients. And so I, I think that's what I mean by that. Yeah, it's not necessarily about what I wear, but it's more like you know um, how I present myself, how I how I occur to others. You know, the thing is, growing up in the '80s um, during you know the Reagan years and that when basically in the U.S. the government wanted to send everybody who caught HIV AIDS to an island just so they would die one day. Um, you know, that, 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 that's what we grew up in. And so there's, there's people around the world being tortured, maimed, thrown off buildings, uh, killed for just being themselves and for just loving who they love. And so if I can be a stand for those people and what I do, then I'm, I'm happy to do that. I'm, you know, I'm at the age where you start thinking about legacy and that. And, um, the more I, the older I get, the more important that becomes to me. You know, there's a lot of people suffering out there that don't need to anymore. Yeah, I think that is a big uh, piece of why, how the show became to be born, because in the couple years prior was our coming out, you know, th- yes. you know, for my kid was the first person we came out to four years ago. Right. You know, and then it was family. And then, right. you know, then it, at some point, I really realized like, you know, I was reading this great article called The Five Regrets of the Dying. I read it a year ago, um, right, right at the end of the year, and it's now a book. And one of the five regrets is I wish I would let myself be happier. Right. Um, and I realized that my happiness is a direct proportion to or directly related to my transparency and authenticity. Right. And that I would really regret you know, being at the end of my life, having not shared that part of my story, you know, yeah. the, the, you know, the unconventional choices that, you know, we made in our relationship and then how transformational it was for me, which is episode 11 of my show. I know right. because people ask me about it all the time, how opening up my marriage juiced up my business, which really right. just juiced up my whole life. Right. Right. And so, um, you know, it was, it was realizing it was realizing like, no, my platform isn't going to be about being non-monogamous because it's really like, I think, and I think that's what people fear is if they have this, this thing, like, you know, now it's going to be, you know, Duff Gardner, you know, gay, uh, gay startup thinking expert, you know, right. There's anything wrong with that. I think that's what we think is that like these things feel so big to us that they're going to like eclipse, you know, other right. things that we are wanting to say. And, 
what I realized, like I kind of went through a period of time where I was actually wondering if that was going to be a big part of what I was doing next. And then I realized, no, it's just one more thing that you're going to be transparent about that. You're going to give other people permission about that. You're going to, you know, that that are going to show people that you're, you know, willing to, you know, lay it all out there and be authentic. And, and, um, and that's what birthed, you know, the get fucking real show and the GFR squad and all of that. Yeah. I love it. So yeah, it'd be no, fun I, to see where it. you where it goes for you, how it gets integrated, and you know how you play with it. I, I think so. I, somebody said this to me the other day: like you're going to be involved in many dances, hmm. and I think that's just the answer to the question. If there is a question, you know, like there's many dances that you're in, and just accept that that's true, and it just it 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 adds depth to your character as as people look at you and make the choice to uh, to you know perhaps to follow you and to get mentored by you, you know, there's something in one of those, one or many of those dances that are going to appeal to them and whatever it is, that's going to be that for them to decide, but, or for them to choose. But, um, you know, we're all in many dances. So yeah, I, I went through the same experience as you where, um, you know, I actually got coached a little bit to go in that direction. I'm like, yeah, that's not me. Uh, I'm just me. Like, I, I think that the, the, the common thread in my story, like going back to the beginning, is I think a lot of us step into this world of entrepreneurship very unprepared in this digital world. Like I talk about it in the content that I talk about that, you know, we grew up in a, a system of education that is very linear in nature. And we're all of a sudden, if say that we decide to leave our job, I, I remember my first client ever in this world, she was an investment banker and decided to become a feng shui expert. She left her life and moved to the mountains and was trying to do this new thing. You know, whereas in her past life, she was incredibly successful in this new life, she was struggling. And, um, you know, the reason for that, a lot of it has to do with this fact that we grew up in a linear system and now we're living in a dynamic, completely networked world and it's just completely incongruent. And so if, 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 if even if we understand that one thing and we start to, you know, um, build some skills around operating in this new normal, um, we can be really successful. And one of the skills we have to learn is exactly what we're talking about, is to be open, transparent, and authentic about who we are and what we do and what we stand for. I agree. I love that linear versus dynamic. And I know that you, you know, you teach about sort of like the the programming, the old school education programming and how it right. impacts us as entrepreneur. And I know I would love to hear what you, you have to say on that. I, and I will tell, I reflect on my own experience of, um, of 20 years ago when I left corporate and, and right. realizing that I was waking up at a certain hour still and I was working certain hours and I was eating lunch at certain hours and I was uh, wearing certain things and, right. like, and, and realizing like, oh my God, like, <laughs> like I actually don't know when I'm hungry. I'm just eating when it's lunchtime and I actually don't know what I want to wear because I'm wearing what I think I should be wearing. And I, you know, there was so much I didn't know about myself. And, and of course, right. as a parent now, like I am all about my, like just getting out of my kid's way so right. that, she could, you know, like I just, because I feel like I just didn't have any, and, you know, and I've had a, a journey with food as my, you know, comfort. And I feel like I didn't even know, I, you know, part of my journey has been like, what do you like to eat? What's okay. Instead of like all these rules and all these things that would, that would right. come in. So, yeah. So, so I love that you're illuminating that for entrepreneurs, that there is this, you know, there is yeah. this, this dynamic that's changes. 
I think it's, it's really important. Like nobody's really talking about this. So maybe it's a Ted talk, but uh, I was really lucky when I did my master's degree and I was, my mentor, my mentors were in this smaller realm of thinking around cognitive science and learning science. And um, their point of view was that education was utterly broken. And so the reason they felt that way, that way, they were part of a group of scientists that believe in what's called situative learning, which is just kind of a geeky term, but it's, it's a little <laughs> bit different than what's typically taught. And that is that we're driven by situations or context. And so their point of view on it was that, first of all, we learn w through stories, which is not necessarily a novel concept. But if you literally think about like the world being a bunch of bubble, little bubbles all over the place and stories are collapsing and forming new stories and everything. But from an individual point of view, what they were saying is that, you know, we used to learn, it used to be learning by doing, you know, back in, back before the system of education was created, we, we practiced learning by doing. So mentoring, practicing, apprenticing, um, apprenticing, um, like very specific goals, you know, whatever that might be. And then we created the system of education, which was really built for the industrialized world. To some degree, it was built, constructed to build factory workers to some degree. Now it's, you know, it's evolved and it's, it, you know, it's, it's built to create re people who are problem solvers. But a lot of the old ideas are still embedded in that system. So their premise was basically that we're stepping into this dynamic networked world and the people who are really successful are able to kind of take that old idea of learning by doing and overlay it into this new world. And therefore what they do is they do four things really well. Um, number one, they, um, they practice, they, they, they commit to practicing rather than being perfect. So they don't fear mistakes. So like the first thing we learn in school is don't make mistakes. Whereas actually the best thing to do in the new world is to practice. The second thing is we learn to memorize, but you really need to learn how to be creative and creative problem solvers. Memorization doesn't really assist us in this new dynamic world. Uh, the third thing is we're taught to gather more nuts, <laughs> gather more information, gather re page turn, like read more, consume more data. How many times have you been stuck on an idea and you're just like, I got to research the crap out of this. So we go online and we research it. And then three weeks later, we're like, hmm, you know, a squirrel walks by and we're on to the next thing. If you, instead of thinking about consuming information, you shift your thinking to finding mentoring. Yes. Things accelerate. Last thing, uh, we're, we're taught to chase an A+, which is a very abstract goal. You know, people will say things like, why did I get this piece of paper? It didn't help me. Uh, that's because it's an abstraction. So you, you, you want to be more specific in your goal setting and more contextually specific in your goal setting. And if you can do that, then it, then you're driven towards uh, something really specific. So like, I'll use kind of a silly example, but say you're getting married and uh, you're a woman getting married and you know, you're thinking about all the things that you would think about. So um, you know, what some people think about is like with respect to their dress is like, Oh man, I got to lose 10 pounds which is a very, like, it's kind of specific, but it's, it's not that specific. But if you're like, man, that dress right there, that is awesome. I'm going to fit into that dress by the time my wedding comes around. And if you marshaled all, all your resources to, to reach that goal, it's super specific, it's visual. And that's kind of an example of how you can kind of shift your thinking from the abstract to the concrete. And uh, yeah, it's just those four shifts. You, if you can make those, then you can start to thrive in this new dynamic world.
I love that. Thank you for that. That was awesome. And as you're talking, I might, my kid is just finishing finals in her freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, like everything you said is like, she's memorizing, you know, she's going for the A, you know, she, you know, all the researching versus asking questions. And yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's just so right in front of my face with a, with a kid in school. And, and it's so illuminating as to why so, so many of us struggle. I feel like now in my 21st year as an entrepreneur, right. I'm finally embracing the dynamic. Like right. I am so now much more in the flow and following my creativity and wanting to be inspired and not scheduling myself to death and, you know, and, and, and being fluid with people that I connect with and where that might go. And like, I'm just so excited about the new year because I just feel like I've created a much more open container. Right. Ironic. I don't know, you know, for, for my work and my, you know, my mission. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. I think it's really important for us to, to embrace these ideas, you know, like, I, like I know it's probably part of my startup thinking too, that I, I preach um, when you're in a startup, it's kind of like, I think of it as being like a salmon in a stream, you know, it, it's not a linear way up the stream. Like you're jumping all over the place, but you're still going forward. And so, um, you know, forging relationships with others, building men- like finding mentors that can help you. Um, these are some really important things that can really move us forward, getting out of our man or woman caves, so, so to speak. Yeah. So for the last segment here, can you, so I want to speak to a turning point for you. So, you know, you had this, you know, experience this rainbow dismissal yeah, and it really kind of, you know, uh, pushed you to like under, you know, go under, like undercharging, underperforming, undervaluing yourself. Right. And, and, and I think that many listeners can relate to having an experience and then realizing that we, they just like, we retreat, you know, like, fuck that. I'm, I'm not, you know, and you don't even real, conscious or unconscious. You just, you know, you get smaller, you retreat in some way. Right. Um, what do you think like pulled you out of it? What had you just, what triggered sort of a turnaround of you, you know, owning your value? Yeah, you know, it was, it, it's, it's been a process over the last five, six years, I think. But this past year has actually been probably the most dramatic for me and just really understanding that and just stepping into it. You know, maybe I'll have my shirt off all the time in Instagram. Now. It's just, all right. <laughs> yeah. But, um, uh, you know, the way I think about it is this, is I had to go back into my past and I had to think about what value I can impart upon the clients that I serve. And it's really this idea of startup thinking and just crystallizing what that means. And that to me is encompasses the idea of standing in your value. It encompasses the idea of making solid offers. It it encompasses the idea of being investable as someone that people want to invest their hard-earned money in. Um, There is a rigor to the startup process that is a little bit missing in the coaching world. And when you understand how that works, you're able to stand in your value. You're able to be a unique person. You're able to make offers that people want to invest in. And so that's kind of the manifestation of the way I think about it is, um, and that's what I try to bring my clients, that unique startup thinking that is kind of a unique way of thinking about their businesses going forward. So what I'm hearing you say is that you, there came a point where you kind of woke up to your expertise. Like you're like, I, like, like exactly. I got skills here. I, you know, like you, there was a, something that, that had you 
really finally have an illumination about what you had to offer and that yeah. it was super valuable, which is brings us to your commandment that you really appreciated, which is commandment 10. Yeah. Know that struggle, stress, or pain prevented with your expertise has enormous monetary value. Is that why it resonated with you? I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's been, like I said, it's been a, a bit of a sort of a, an, but this in the past year, for sure, it's become super crystal clear to me. Uh, and that st- commandment number 10 absolutely resonated with me. Yeah. Yeah. In that way. That's awesome. I, I really appreciate that. And uh, so the confession question, which probably helped your, you a year ago, <laughs> which right. was, you know, where am I not owning my value and what is it costing me? Yeah. You know, it's such a, a great inquiry for our listeners um, that, that very much probably was at the core of well, your own inquiry, you know, when you made that shift. I, can I give you an example of how this works with clients? I know it's kind of, it might be a bit offside, but this idea that we're talking about is so important, I, th- I feel like. Well, yes, and because we're talking about you, we're talking about me ourselves, and then I, I believe our work, like our work is our healing and our healing is our work, right? So as you got this illumination, now you're helping client. there's no accidents, that now this is what you're helping clients with. So yes, tell, let's, yeah. let's wrap up with this awesome story. So there's, I had my very first client getting into coaching. She was very stuck on this idea of, like, we're talking about value, valuing yourself and valuing yourself in the context of a client relationship. So she was very stuck on the idea of what price do I charge, which is a very different question. So I said to her, go and just tell me about someone you've helped. I don't don't care about, like, how much you want to charge. I don't care about what somebody else charges or what you think it's worth or what they'll pay. How have you helped these people? And she she told me the story of a family who uh, lived in the mountains, they had not been able to sell their house for a year and a half. And the husband had got a job clear across the country. So for a year and a half, they'd lived fractured. It was stressful. They couldn't sell their home. They were stuck financially and they didn't know what to do. And so she went in and she did a clearing. She did four hours as a feng shui expert. And within, I think it was within two weeks, they sold their home over, over, over market. They were able to move. They were able to get their family back together again. They were able to be happy again. And so I was like, so when we're talking about this idea of value, it's not what price you charge. It's the idea of like, what is the transformation that you potentially can create? Like, let's get dialed into that deeply, what that is. And so we did that and that changed her business. And the last time I saw her, she was blogging in Paris and had a very successful practice. So, you know, like this idea of value for me, for my clients, for you, like, it's just, it's such an important question. How am I valuable? How am I unique? And just asking yourself those two questions and really getting dialed into the deeper meaning of those two questions, I think, is, is the most important thing you can do as a transformational leader in the world today. And I think it combats the dismissal kryptonite. Yeah, absolutely. It takes you out of that question entirely. And it, and it, has, it has with me in terms of, I guess, this kinds of stuff I've done in the last year. So absolutely. Beautiful. Awesome. I love it. Thanks for that contribution. It's been a fun conversation, Duff. Oh, I'm oh my gosh. We could, now that we, now we don't just have mutual friends. Now we are our own friends. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, I love the conversation. I can't wait to even get to know you more and have you on my show too. That sounds great. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye for now. Thanks, Lisa. Well, that was fun. <laughs> if you want to um, really take advantage of Duff's expertise, 
grab his impact scorecard. This is a really cool tool that he's created. It's, it's really the first performance scorecard for impact-driven entrepreneurs. It measures five key areas, and then you get a score, obviously, as it sounds, and it's quite illuminating. So grab the link in the show notes and find out what your score is. And for our GFR squad members, he recorded a bonus training called with me called the five elements of a unique influencer. And what I love about this is he says, you don't need to have all five to get started. You just need to have two or three out of the five. And he calls it permission to start. So if you want to figure out if you have, you know, one or two or three of these, and if you feel like you're, you're stalled or you're slowed down and you feel like you have to have all these things figured out, what I love about this training is that he clearly says you do not, but you need to have a couple of these figured out and then the others sort of follow. If you're not a GFR squad member and you want to be hang out with me more and like see the nitty gritty of my GFR process and be in a place where it's a, it's a fun place to let your hair down and also confess and be on your GFR journey, join the squad. It's only 20 bucks a month. There's cool swag that you get in the mail, like a fun care package. And you can be on the next confession call with us. Once a month, we have a call that is themed by one of our commandments and the confession question. And it is just a really great community. You come and just, you can come and just listen, no confession required, just a witness, which is just as valuable. So that's our GFR squad. And of course you're going to get this cool bonus training with Duff. So you go to gfr.life forward slash squad to join the squad and make sure you've subscribed to the show in your favorite podcast app. If you're listening for the first time, search us up um, on Apple podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, we're in our heart radio now. So find a place that you like to listen so that you get the notified when you when we have a new episode, which is every Thursday, and so that you don't miss any of these inspiring stories. So that are those are all my plugs for <laughs> for our outro here. Thanks for hanging in. I am so fulfilled by the all the feedback we're getting on the show. Um, if you want, if you haven't expressed your gratitude, go to your favorite podcast app and rate and write us a review and I'll give you a shout out on the air. All right. That is all for now. Until next time, over and out.